Welcome back to Curious Animal Podcast. Today we'll be talking about a Harvey Feinstein song. Finally. It's an animus and a pseudoceratops. And I'm sure not many of you know it, but it's basically triceratops with long, uh, but smaller. And with a nose now. Anyways, let's get to the facts. The suit. Nasuceratops' name means large nose horn face, which is a rather unfortunate name. Nasuceratops was 15 feet long and weighed up one ton. Due to a lack of very accurate data, we do not know exactly when Nasuceratops lived. However, we do have some idea when Nasuceratops lived. Around 83 to 75 million years ago. Around the late Cretaceous. Just, you know, the mid-late Cretaceous. These dinosaurs shared their range with dinosaurs like Ornithomimus, Parasaurolophus, Thespiosaurus, Gorgosaurus, and Tetraphonosaurus, plus another ceratopsian called Styracosaurus. The pseudoceratops ate a diet that consisted of plants and leaves, as they were herbivores. Nobody knows why the pseudoceratops had that nub on its nose, though it was likely used for main confrontation. After all, if you had a big nose that was shaped like a semicircle or something, and you were like up against the line, it wouldn't help too much. Yeah. And what I mean by main confrontations, I mean like main calls against our males. Oh, and here's some other facts. So, number one. Six, I mean, 76 to 75 million years ago was a bad time to be in this Nasuoceratops. Why? Because three predators would prey, would call Nasuoceratops their prey. Why? Well, let's talk about the three predators a little bit. The Spiosaurus was basically a smaller and more robust version of Tyrannosaurus. Gorgosaurus was slimmer and smaller than its distant cousin. Or cousin because they're like in different subfamilies. And Tetraphonosaurus, I guess it was similar to Gorgosaurus. Like, I didn't actually do much research on it. It's just that um, when I was researching for Nasuoceratops, I found that I hunted it and, well, didn't really actually read about it, so I don't really know much about it. Anyways, so why would it get hunted by all three of them? Gorgosaurus was made for smaller prey, like Hadrosaurus or more some prey, and that's why source was made for more robust prey, like Ceratopsians. And Tetraphonosaurus, it was quite similar to Gorgosaurus. That's what I believe. Anyways, what makes it so likable between the three species? Two reasons. There are two reasons why. First of all, um, 
The Ceratops was only 15 feet long. Yeah. Yeah, so even though it's a Ceratopsian, the Slimmer Tetraphonosaurus and the Gorgosaurus could, could pay on it. And the other reason is it's quite robust. So there's a lot of meat. Just, just uh, like lower mound meat that, then like, uh, that Spinosaurus would usually hunt out of a Styracosaurus. But really, that's what just makes it a good target. And we're at the end of our Nasuceratops topic. So here's another thing to talk about. Now I. I overlook T-Rex a lot, but here's something I want to tell you about. It's actually the entire Tyrannosaurus genus as a whole. Okay, so the question is, when did um, Tyrannosaurus show up? The entire genus, like, yeah. So scientists state the uh, the oldest T-Rex to be 70 million years or 68. There's a bit of debate on that, but hear me out. So, remember the t- three T-Rex species? Well, well, I think I forgot to mention that Imperi- Tyrannosaurus Imperia came first, Tyrannosaurus Virginia, and Rex came after that. So, what does this mean? So that means that Tyrannosaurus Imperium must have came uh, 72 to 70 million years ago. And T-Rex arrived around 68 million years ago. So as Tyrannosaurus Virginia. Now, here's where things get interesting. Tyrannosaurus Virginia and Tyrannosaurus Rex actually lived in different places. How? You see, you see, in Tyrannosaurus Rex, an evolutionary journey, we saw a map of where T-Rexes were living, or plus the Tarbosaurus, you know. And there actually are some T-Rexes in Appalachia. Now, that documentary was released before um, the time we realized that T-Rex was probably split into three different species. So they must have mistaken what was Tyrannosaurus, what was Tyrannosaurus Virginia, or what they thought it was, Rex, and just... You know? Poon? That was Tyrannosaurus Rex and Appalachia, yeah. I forgot the line over here, sorry. Anyways, so how did Imperator get to get from Larmidia to Appalachia? If there was a western interior seaway. Well, well here's the theory explained this. And it's pretty accurate. You see, around 
70 million years ago or so, the western interior sea started retreating due to um, tectonic plates. I said that in the turtles episode, how Archeron went extinct. The closing of the western interior seaweed. That opened a new path for Tyrannosaurus Imperial to travel to Appalachia, where it's split into two different species. Now, how would they adapt to environment to be different? It's simple. You see, there was another species that made to Appalachia called Hadrosaurus. And there are probably some more Hadrosaurus that followed, and not that many Ceratopsians. So, Tyrannosaurus Virginia adapted to feed on the Hadrosaurus, while Tyrannosaurus Rex adapted to feed on the Ceratopsians. So, that's how you got two species at one. But could they evolve in just, evolve in just a short time of two million years? Yeah, considering that they have, like, not too many differences, and they're easily mistaken for one another as one species, more famous one, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, one species could split into two as long as they're isolated enough in two million years, so yeah, I guess that's good. And that's all for today, so bye! Curious Animal Podcast. Today we'll be continuing the series of the history of life on Earth. So before I'm gonna get to it, I think I should mention something. Actually, I am getting to it. Like, we probably haven't covered this. Anyways, in the late Eocene, some 600 million years ago, there was the first animal that we know of, Decansonia. Now, scientists only have some sort of imprint of it but and they're trying to figure out if it was even an animal at all however it probably looked like this imagine this a flatworm but fat like a circle it's basically that anyways let's get to it really so next so after the accurate and no, there was not a mass extinction marking the end of the Akron. In fact, it's the opposite. The Cambrian explosion. Nature's version of the Big Bang. So, before then, animals and multicellular life was very simple. Dickinsonia was just a basic flatworm. But here, animals moved a lot more and began swimming. For example, Alarmachyrus, a relative of shrimp. They eat trilobites, which just evolved on the scene. Unfortunately, they disappear in the end permian extinction. And the first vertebrates, jawless fish. They're basically backbone worms with eyes. Not very impressive. But these are every vertebrate's direct ancestor. Yes, that. Anyways, let's get to next period. The Ordovician. 
major groups start to more major groups start to appear like mm, like cephalopods squids and pneumolites and octopuses they they had long all of them had long shells and some could even reach up to the size of a truck like 30 feet and jaw fit jawless fish start to diversify more becoming like bigger also some had armor on their heads like but it slowed them down well that's why i saw in walking with monsters there were a lot of other kinds of jawless fish anyways to next period the Silurian. Now, before we actually go to that period, let me mention another important thing that will happen. A mass extinction. Yes. The Anorvishian mass extinction was the first mass extinction on Earth. What about Snowball Earth? Yeah, you could probably count that as a mass extinction, but there wasn't a lot of life back then, so I don't think it really counts. But anyways, this, the first mass extinction, was first in, was the first mass extinction of five of them. It was probably caused by cooling in the climate that lowered sea levels, and that devastated ocean life. But luckily, things survived pretty well. The Silurian was a short period. Jawfish and invertebrates continued to diversify, and plants appeared on land. Now these were these were fairly simple, and they probably made the moon move in the late Ordovician, and probably in the la- later in the Silurian. Bugs, cr- well, invertebrates cr- crawled out from the water onto the land. Next is the Devonian period, where plants got more complex and giant fungi appeared 400 million years ago. They were tall as tall as obelisks, which were just like pillars more than 30 feet tall. And, and later in the Devonian, like jawed fish appeared now jotfish evidence actually appeared way back in the late ordovician but they started to rise in the devonian outcompeting the jawless fish because they can eat more also jod, some jawfish start to crawl off the water onto land they Fun fact, those like crawling adaptations and lungs were actually adaptations for living in swamps. Isn't that neat? Anyways, trees also started to appear. And the Carboniferous period, it came next. Yes, the Carboniferous period was home to the first true forest. And 
the amphibians or the tetrapods became smaller but more scaly and more diverse. And amphibians now had massive jaws with lots of teeth. Also, there was much higher oxygen levels, like 35% oxygen in the carboniferous period. This fueled bugs to be to get giant. For example, there was a dragonfly called Meganera, the size of an eagle, and a millipede called Arthropora, that was probably the size of a car. And later in the Permian period, one there was one big mainless landmass called Pangaea, which would be a pushing factor later in the Mesozoic era, which you're all probably familiar with. Anyways, that means the quite climate was drier in the middle because like water couldn't reach as well. Anyways, the aminoids, which were the early tetrapods that that were scaly, split into two groups: the diapsids with two holes in their skull, and the synapsids with one hole in their skull. And the early Permian was home to Dimetrodon and Eudaphosaurus, like other creatures. And the late Permian was home to the Gorgonopsid and the Diacnodont. And the Permian ended in the biggest mass extinction ever. The end Permian mass extinction, which wiped out 90% of life on Earth. I also forgot to mention the Devonian extinction, which was probably caused by an ice age because, like, trees were consuming so much carbon dioxide and releasing out so much oxygen. Today, we have, like, the reverse problem. Anyways, that's all for today. Bye!